Hello, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special on Mamma Mia, the new ABBA movie musical. And I'm talking here with June Thomas, the foreign editor at Slate. Hi, June. Hey, Dana. And June, we um, saw Mamma Mia together last night to our great delight yes. and walked out all but dancing and singing down the street. So I know you loved it and I loved it. Do you want to start off with, insofar as it's possible, trying to summarize together the plot? Of this movie? Uh, we've only got 15 minutes, Dana. I don't, I, we're going to have to truncate <laughs> it severely. No, okay. The, the plot, such as it is, involves a young woman. Uh, played by Amanda Seyfried, who I know from Big Love, where she's always miserable and tortured. And, and in this movie, like everyone else, she was totally happy. She's a 20-year-old woman. She more or less grew up on a Greek island, which looks very idyllic. Her mom, Donna, played by Meryl Streep, has kind of brought her up on her own, but she's getting married. And she's found her mom's diary from 21 years ago. And she wants, and she finds out that her mom had not just one, not just two, but three love affairs, or certainly trips to a boat, trips in a boat to a small <laughs> island, and dot, dot, dot. So she invites these three guys because she wants to figure out which of them is her father. And they, she wants whichever one it is to. Oh, we should mention who the three men are. That oh, that's invited. right. They are, what are their names in the movie? Sam. Bill and Harry, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're very individualistic. Tom, Dick, and Harry, basically. <laughs> exactly. They're very individualistic. They're played by Pierce Brosnan, is uh, an American architect. Stellan Skarsgård is a, a, uh, travel writer. a Swedish be, right? travel writer and adventurer. He's got tattooed knees. And uh, <laughs> Colin Firth plays a very British banker. And she invites them all to the island, and after a long difficult journey they all arrive and, and kind of find themselves back where they haven't been for 21 years they they see Donna played by Meryl Streep and they slowly figure out that well what do they figure out do they figure out that they all well we'll get to, yeah, okay. to spoiling the okay. end in a second but the okay. only other thing we need to mention I guess as setup is that is that there's also a very important side story about Meryl Streep's former girl band indeed indeed yes so she used to be the singer back in the day when she right. was this sort of young hippie you know um, becoming a single mother on her own she sang in this group called Donna and the Dynamos and her two backup singers are also coming her two best right. friends to the wedding right Rosie and Tanya Rosie is played by the fantastic Julie Walters and Tanya is played by Christine Baranski and they get together and they immediately start singing. <laughs> Essentially, I mean, the singing yeah, starts 30 right. seconds into the movie. So exactly. all these people converge at this Greek island in preparation for this wedding. It's very Shakespearean yes. now that we're summarizing the yes. plot. And craziness ensues. So I guess that's enough That's enough yes. to go on for the yes. plot summary. And we'll get to, to spoiling some, some stuff later. But let's talk about, I mean, essentially this movie is all mood and music. It's all about the music and the mood. So let's yes. talk about, about that. Yeah. Well, the mood is unrelentingly happy. I mean, we saw it on a gigantic screen and I just felt afterward that I had been exposed to almost two hours of huge grins and kind of sparkling eyes, huge blue eyes, most of them. It was, I've just not seen a movie where everybody is smiling just so much, but constantly. But it's not saccharine, I, to me at any rate. It was no, strangely exactly. not saccharine. I exactly. wonder about, though, people who hate musicals. I mean, you and I, especially you, I should mention that you're sort of the resident theater queen of Slate <laughs> and that you see everything, not everything, yeah. but, but everything major that opens on Broadway and had already seen this show right. on Broadway. I never right. saw it. Did you see it in the West End as well? No, I only saw it um, uh, here on Broadway, but I think it really doesn't matter because there are no stars in the show and the, essentially the show is the same wherever it is. Right. Um, it's sort so, of at this point it's just a branded thing that yeah, blows out of right. faucets all over the world, exactly. right? I think there's eight productions of yeah. Mamma Mia around the world right and now. And they're Sweden, all Japan. making money 
up the wazoo. I mean, and obviously all those people plus many more mm-hmm. will be going to see this movie. Mm-hmm. But I was going to mention. Okay, so I'm also a musical person, even yes. if I'm not currently keeping up with theater. And the idea of people spontaneously bursting into song yes. still delights me. But yes. what about those whom to whom a musical is nails on a blackboard? Well, Could they be won over? Here's the thing: this, by any law of musicals. This is a terrible idea. I mean, the it's a jukebox this, musical. It's a jukebox musical, meaning of, that you of the worst maybe. kind. Where basically they took the songs of ABBA that had been written just as pop songs, and they created a story which, in many ways, is a laughably silly story. There really is very little motivation. It doesn't really make sense. But it really doesn't matter because it's all about the extraordinarily catchy songs of ABBA. And all the rules, all the judgments, all the criticism essentially fall apart. So if you don't like musicals, as long as you like catchy pop songs of the kind that ABBA makes or ABBA is known for, and if you like ABBA, then nothing else matters. And how could you not like ABBA? Exactly. It's sort of like not liking exactly. candy. When I was, I remember, you know, I'm of a certain age that I remember them winning the Eurovision Song Contest and I, being a kind of a music snob, I hated them. And now... You know, I can sing all of their songs and regularly find myself singing their songs. You know, I'll see it. I was reading a book recently called The Winner Take All. And immediately, you know, every, <laughs> for the, the week that I was reading it, I was singing ABBA songs. And I don't even remember the names of the band, much less the songs that I thought were cool back then. As you were saying, it's profoundly uncool. And yet it's so much fun. And it's just so wonderful and happy. Speaking of uncool, we were also saying walking out that maybe a karaoke wave will be spawned later. It'll be sort of the late summer karaoke fad of people who just want to go and sing ABBA songs after seeing this movie, which is sort of, to me, the ultimate goal of what a musical should do is make you want to sing and dance. Well, it's, you know, the the movie I felt the same way as I did in the theater, which was that all around me were people, you know, I can't tell. They didn't look like people who I normally saw at the theater. They were much younger. Kids were there little kids and people at the end there's a big uh, in the theater it's an 11 o'clock number in the in the movie it's a little it's kind of when the credits are rolling it's this big just a crazy over the top almost kind of Priscilla Queen of the Desert-esque you mean like a drag show yeah it's like a drag show although it's Meryl Streep Christine Baranski and Julie Walters but in the show, you're everybody's up and singing and clapping and you know dancing in the aisles. I didn't see dancing in the aisles last night, but you did see a lot of people frozen in their seats as the credits rolled. Almost nobody walked out early because they wanted to hear one more song, one more song. Exactly. They'd, under no circumstances leave early if you haven't yet seen the movie. Well, since you happened to mention Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and a drag show, even though it's three women performing this drag right. show, let's talk a little bit about the utopian sexuality of the movie, which is another of its very, very fun elements. I mean, we walked out saying, gee, this movie is so deeply gay, and yet there's really not any gay storyline in it. There's a little bit of a sort of silly throwaway at the end where Colin Firth, one of the three men right. called back, the possible fathers, turns out to be gay, and he sort of hooks up with a young guy at the wedding party. But the movie's not about that, but no. it's just such a deeply sort of transgenerationally, yes. transgenderally queer <laughs> sort right. of joy fest. Absolutely. It is about, it reminded me of the, the song in Rocky Horror Picture Show, give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Don't worry about anything. About age, if, for yes, one thing. Absolutely. The movie completely affirms that the sexuality of this mother, who's maybe supposed to be in her mid-50s or so, is right. every bit as hot and every bit as interesting and sort of narratively important as the ingenue story. In fact, if anything, yeah. the bride and groom are, no. are kind of boring chess they, they essentially become Although Amanda Seyfried, I should say, has a fantastic voice. She has a fantastic voice, and she looks 
you know, she has that joyful thing. As you say, it's, there's no saccharin. It's not saccharin. But they all look happy. You know, she looks like she's, she's going like to get married. Sprite. Yeah, yeah. she's like she's going to get married tomorrow. But when you see the three middle-aged women doing their numbers together, there's not any sort of corny, embarrassing sense no. of sort of like, I don't know, you know the kind of movie I'm talking about. Absolutely. I mean, the wonderful thing about these actresses and this movie is that you feel like they are playing themselves in a certain way. In fact, maybe they're exaggerating their age. There was a scene at the beginning, I think when you first see Meryl Streep, and it almost felt like she had, she'd been made up to look old, like her eyes looked even more crinkly than they really are, certainly more than they were toward the end. Julie Walters, who I just love, and I'm so glad to see her in kind of a big movie where she's not just playing someone's mother. In fact, she isn't anyone's mother in this movie. She does a number where she essentially kind of comes on to the character played by Stellan Starsgard, and she is, you know, she's not dressed up. She's dressed in kind of capri pants and a, you know, a kind of blah top. But you just think it's so raunchy, it's so sexy. And, it and is, there's nothing ridiculous about it at no, all. Even though it's, it's a scene of this, you know, middle-aged lady in glasses and slacks right. sort of chasing this guy around yeah. a Greek villa. There's not a sense. I mean, in almost any other movie I could think of, including one that was treating her character very nicely, there would be some sense that he was horrified that this middle-aged right. woman was hot for him. Instead, right. it's really sort of this delightful romp, even though yeah. he is a little bit scared of her yeah. because well, she's, like she, just so, yeah, she's she, so on. Right. And she's at one point hanging from his legs and trying to sort of, you know, pull him. It, yeah, no, it seems like. It's really convincingly hot. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I'm in my, let's just say, mid-40s, and I felt like I was under the demographic that this movie is really targeted at. I think it's the great, you know, it's a great feel-good movie for everyone, but I think for sort of 50-year-old women or women in their 50s, it's really a treat, you know, that they're hot, they're sexual, they're, you know, you can have fun. And they also just rule the movie. I mean, if anything, totally. the, the men are sort of the indistinguishable yeah. <laughs> sluts that are brought right, in, right. you know, from whom the women can, can choose. There was and, a lovely scene, I think it especially appealed to you, between Meryl Streep and her, you know, Donna and her daughter, when she's preparing for oh, the wedding. Oh, yeah, that was one of the many, many scenes where I, I, I sort of cried in lots of scenes, but I have to admit, there were I think there were actual tears during that scene. And maybe that's just because I have a daughter myself, yeah. a two-year-old, and was, of course, imagining, you know, someday getting to put a Band-Aid on her, <laughs> her cut from shaving her leg <laughs> right. on her wedding day. And there's a really nice intimate scene between them in which Meryl Streep sings an ABBA song that I actually didn't know that's about, I think, about a mother and a little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just about, you know, it's not just a kind of estrogen fest. There is this sort of celebration of adult and real sexuality, but there are also very sweet and funny the friendships. Are well, the very... mother-daughter moment is definitely an estrogen moment, and I think maybe the, one of the funniest estrogen-related plot points, which we can also spoil here in the spoiler special, is that all three of the men sort of claim one-third of paternity at the end. Right. I mean, the whole movie revolves in a very silly way, but the whole MacGuffin is who's the father of Sophie, this young girl. Yeah. So at the end, at the at the wedding scene, finally all three men step up, and all of them want to be the father. But unlike in real life, in which there would be DNA tests right. and paternity suits and you know death threats among the men. Each of them is willing to say, you know what, I'll take a one-third share of being her father and we don't have to find out who it really is. And so they sort of all give her way at the aisle. And then just to spoil something else, Sophie, who's only 20 years old, suddenly decides that she's too young to get married and just sort of wants to run away with her beau, which I sort of love the anti-marriage message of that. And then there's a marriage just for the sake of not to waste the party uh, because uh, Meryl Streep and Pierce Brosnan do indeed tie the knot in a very right kind of, there. you know, and it's it's really not, a you know, it's not about a big event. It's not a white wedding. It's, it's just a, it seems like people getting together because 
hey, why not? Let's have a good party. And well, I think we could have fun together kind of thing. <laughs> what would we even do if there was a cynic in here with us saying, ah, this sentimental piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's not for everyone. If you're either, you know, it's, I think it must be, I don't know what your review is going to say, but it's not the kind of movie I think that you could convince someone, someone who was just not predisposed to like this silly bit of nonsense that will, you know, if it won't put a laugh on, put a smile on your face, I mean, you know, screw them if they can't take a joke. It's just not, it's not a movie that you want to convince people that they'll, if they're resistant at all, but it's so good. You know, speaking of being completely uncool, can I just briefly send a shout out to my favorite very short dance sequence in the movie? It's something that's worked into one number that, according to June, was a big part of the stage show. And it's a moment when the stag party, the bachelor party, is about to begin for the young groom. And uh, they're on the beach. And all these young men arrive wearing, I guess you'd call them flippers, like yeah. snorkeling fin, right. um, things on their feet. And there's a little dance on a dock where they're all sort of doing a line dance and ballet and various things with fins on their feet. It's, again, completely gay, just in its complete silly uncoolness right. and, and utterly delightful. I wish it had been much longer and it had been the stage version. Yeah, it's in the stage, on stage, it very much is the, you know, the dancing is clearly much more important. You just can't do that kind you of can't do dance on choreography the in a movie. Um, and I think probably the, other than perhaps Christine Baranski, the the actors didn't really have the dancing chops in the way that, you know, you can sing okay, but you can't really dance okay. But, you know, on stage two, to be in flippers and to do these maneuvers is so much more, it, it seems so much more impressive and I silly. I love the silliness, the silliness and fun-lovingness yeah. and yeah. absolute non-machismo of that scene that a bunch of fruity guys in flippers show up and, and do this dance and then they're off to their sta- heterosexual stag party and it's it's fine. Yeah. And having recently danced with you at a slate party, <laughs> I know that you are another appreciator of utterly dorky dance moves. Absolutely. Although, you know, I just, for the listeners, we're both really, really good dancers. <laughs> and we look super cool. Super cool. It's so much fun. All right, just briefly, we have a couple minutes left to talk about performances. And, I mean, to me, it's funny to even think that Mamma Mia has been performed all over the world for over a decade and is yeah. still being performed without Meryl Streep because <laughs> having only seen it with her, it seems like it's almost a movie about how wonderful Meryl Streep is. Oh, she is a goddess. I mean, as modest and sort of generous as she is with the other characters or the other actors, I mean... Well, she doesn't hog the movie no, in any way, but she, but she is just its sort of glorious center. And this yes. whole sort of Mamma Mia spirit, I don't know how to describe it, but, right. you know, this great sort of utopian, um, pleasure-affirming spirit that it has is just really embodied in her performance. Absolutely. She also, it's just, it's just so funny to see Meryl Streep not just singing. We've seen her singing in a couple movies before, but not nearly to this extent. But just doing almost no serious, heavy, dramatic scenes at all. Maybe that one performance of, uh, what's the song she sings with Pierce Brosnan that's sort of their big dramatic climax together. I can't it's the winner takes it all. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. right. And maybe in that scene, you know, because she is such a great dramatic actress, you, you know, you're seeing her put a little bit of, of the sorrow of her character right. into it. But most of the time, she's just having the time of her life, right, exactly. to quote Ava, and, uh, and sort of bringing us along with her. Right. I mean, she is so clearly in on the camp. And there's one person in the movie who really can't sing, Pierce Brosnan. We should who, mention that all the actors are yes. doing their own singing. And, and really quite wonderfully. And, and although... I think Christine Baranski is really the only person who has really a kind of a deep background in in musical theatre. Julie Walters has done some musicals, but usually she's in a satirical role and she's not, even though she's singing and it's clear that she can carry a tune, it's, she usually plays old people who, who, you know, she's not singing genuinely, if you know what I mean. But Pierce Brosnan, I think, may be the only twinkly-eyed Irishman who 
really can't sing. Um, and it, there was some giggling. I heard giggling when yeah, he sang. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan is one of the few actors who occasionally gets laughed at and right. not with right. in the course of the movie. And there's a there's a big dramatic love song, SOS. Yeah. I mean, just how absurd is that, that SOS <laughs> is an important narrative turning point in the movie? And Pierce Brosnan is pretty ridiculous in those scenes. But God love him for trying, you know, for being in the movie. All of the people who are in this movie, I know, will go and see their next movies just on the basis of them having just gone along with this. Well, and as you were pointing out, you really can't lose with this movie no. because Meryl Streep sort of gets every single nuance of the camp and knows exactly what kind of movie she's in. Pierce Brosnan sort of has no idea, but then you sort of start loving giggling at, yeah. at his non-campy performance. Yeah. So it becomes camp once again. You and Colin lose. Firth, you know, who has women around the world gasping for him, now they can see that he can make fun of himself and that he could be in a, a role like that. I mean, it's it's just win-win, all of these people. It's Could we just say anything... Anything nicer about this movie? We're so in the bag for it. I need to think of one negative thing to say. I don't know. I mean, I would say this is, has more to do with the viewer's experience than the movie itself. But not knowing the play and not quite knowing where it was going to go, I probably found it a little bit hard to get into until Meryl Streep appeared. I don't think I completely trusted the movie until she yeah. appeared. Even though, you know, the opening scenes with Amanda Seyfried are quite well done, there was maybe a little bit more of a sense of artificiality. Mm-hmm. What kind of a movie is this going to be? Mm-hmm. But once Meryl Streep comes, you're just she just right. welcomes you in. Absolutely. Well, June, thank you so much for seeing it with me. It sounds like we're both going to run off and see it again. Absolutely. But on opening night, no no less. And uh, thanks a lot for coming in for the Slate Spoiler Special. Thank you. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.